My latest guest on the podcast is Carlos Gonzalez. Carlos has been a media personality in both sports and news, but is currently working as a community activist and budding entrepreneur in his home city of Los Angeles. He's also a bit of an amateur gourmet chef and bon vivant. Carlos is a proud son of the city of LA and a graduate of CSUN. He's a great social media follow, and I very much enjoyed the following conversation with him. Okay, another episode of the podcast, and I have... If you don't follow him on Twitter, you should, uh, because I have one of the most interesting men in Southern California uh, joining me today, Carlos Gonzalez. You can follow him on Carlos Go TV on Twitter. He is a 2016, right, Carlos? 2016 graduate of CSUN, and you've had quite a unique journey uh, for a young guy uh, in the last four or five years. So let's start. Um, we just we were just talking off the mic. You're a San Pedro kid, and you end up coming to CSUN for journalism. Take me through that decision. Sure, sure. Yeah. So um, unexpected, unexpectedly, definitely a blessing in disguise ending up in CSUN. But originally, my whole plan um, coming out of high school was to um, get into a four-year school um, and, you know, do do journalism. And, and unfortunately, none of the top schools accepted me. I had a 3.0. But at that time, it just all schools were starting to get impacted. Um, very, very competitive. Um, even the CSUs were just very, very hard to get into. So I, I only got into two. Um, um, I, one was, um, I think it's Chico, and the other one was Cal State East Bay. So I ended up going to Cal State East Bay uh-huh. um, for a year. And that was um, <clears throat> that was a little bit of, a, of a, a change of scenery for me out by myself, 18 years old. Um, def- definitely did a lot of maturing, but I kind of realized um, it wasn't the place for me. So I went back to junior college and um, – and I got my uh, my AA, and um, I transferred to CSUN. There was two choices I had: either San Diego State or CSUN. And um, I had went to CSUN for um, I just just a tour of the campus, and um, I walked into the facilities to you know to the to the to the newsroom. I met the the, the, the professors, and it just it just was was a great vibe. So I ended up going with CSUN. You know, a lot of people between San Diego State and CSUN, they kind of majority choose uh san diego state but um i went with season well you're an la kid so I mean, yeah I, you know and and it's weird i because i'm a i'm a transplant i'm not from la but the older i get and the more people i meet from los angeles you know i mean i've had a bunch of them on the podcast you know evan barnes david yapkovitz you know these are all la guys and there's a certain like you said there's a certain vibe to it out of curiosity where did you where did you choose to go to jc uh harbor college uh just a couple blocks away from my from my home quick easy um i already had a friend who was um studying um uh, pr journalism in a sense so he kind of told me that you know um there's a couple professors here are pretty good you know he kind of guided me in the right direction and um yeah and i just kind of took it from there and and, uh was there for two years i just put my foot on uh put my uh, foot on the pedal and i really wasn't um trying to waste any time because a lot of people were saying, yeah, well, I, you know, it did take me three years with that one year at East Bay, but those two years at, at JCA just kind of um, nothing really transferred. I think one class really transferred. So I had to just, you know, um, go full forth and I was able to get out of there in two years, which I kind of uh, I took pride in that because a lot of my friends were still there before when I got there and they were still there when I left. So um, it kind of uh, it kind of uh, pushed me a little to work harder, but um, definitely, definitely um was was a good experience for me because it made me it, ma- it made me kind of take that experience and translate it to to um to season because i was only there for two years as well so um and just got just get done everything quick and then just kind of determined to, to get it to get it done and you need to be commended and i remember you know it's been 20 some years since i last was in a class and i remember even when i was an undergrad there were issues with getting classes if you wanted to out for majors and certain things but ultimately you would get them i mean you wouldn't get the time and the day you wanted but they had enough classes where you know at at a uc they had enough classes where you could ultimately get it done and if it wasn't that quarter at least in the next quarter you'd be able to get the class Uh, now that i've been kind of involved and talked to people at cal states because there's so many more people there and I think this is affecting some of the UCs because since I've graduated, the UC enrollment has increased too. Like when I was at Irvine, it was 15,000 people and now it's like 30. But you don't realize the impact of not being able to get a class. And it's not like a specific class. Our biggest issue was sometimes upper division classes, right? Mm-hmm. I know now talking to some of the players, talking to students, I mean, you're trying to get English 101, 102, and you may have to wait 
a whole semester or a whole year to get the second part of a class that you've already taken just because there's so many people trying to take, make up that class. And, and it's it's crazy. You really have to be kind of tedious in a way and figure out, you know, the different loopholes. And, you know, that's one of the things like, you know, I wasn't an athlete, but at, at CSUN, what I did was I um, <clears throat> I joined the management team. for, And I was it wasn't that long because I was kind of really focused on the reporting broadcast sports side of it. So yeah. whenever I could attend when I could attend, you know, um, practices and games, I would. But that was one of the loopholes that, you know, I found I, I, managers got um, athletes. Um, they got that priority um, class time. So, yeah, priority registration, um, like you said, and um, I was able to get that for the first uh, for my first year. And then my second year, I, I, I think I wasn't part of the management team, but I was already I already had my foot in the door I already had. I only needed a couple more classes. They weren't um, they weren't so hard to get. But um, that first year, I remember was pretty was pretty tough. I, and, and it wasn't until second semester when I joined um, um, the, the men's team uh, management team, I was able to get my priority classes, which which was huge. It's interesting. And it's, you know, there's this whole thing on the Internet now. What if you could tell yourself something, uh, you know, and the best advice I could give anybody in college is um, and it's kind of what you did. Avail yourselves to the resources available. Right. Basically, because sometimes the things you want to do are a little bit out of your reach and you and you should, you know, your 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 reach should should uh, exceed your grasp should exceed, exceed your reach. Right. But at the same time. When you know what resources are available to you, it makes things so much easier. I learned this in grad school. When you're broke, you figure out, okay, I can get X, Y, and Z free at school. So you, mm-hmm. you avail yourself to those, res- you know, gym and this kind of stuff. Absolutely. There's stuff that's included in your tuition that you can get. And now, you know, because it's so competitive now in undergrads, even some like the Cal States, they're they're hopping it up. And there's so many resources that are available to students that they don't always avail themselves to them. And a couple of big things are you can save a lot of money on transportation mm-hmm. and you can save a lot of money on certain amenities, you know, like UCLA and Cal State. I think even CSUN, you have pool access. If you want to go swim and work out in the pool, you have complete access to it as a student. Now, the schedule is a little different, right? You have to work around their schedule. But those are two examples of resources that are readily available to you. And there's so many more. And I just feel like when you're 18, 19, sometimes, Carlos, I don't know if this was your case, you're so overwhelmed, you don't even know to look for that stuff. Oh, no, you, you're just kind of, I mean, you're just kind of, especially nowadays, like, you know, we're kind of more in our personal bubble, right? Like, we kind of just want to focus on ourselves and, and kind of get our, get our stuff done. And, and move forward. But I think uh, what a lot of people, like you, you said, a lot of people don't take advantage of the campus and what's out there for them to enjoy or to to take advantage of. And, and that's that's a pretty big uh, that's a pretty big thing because we are paying all this money in tuition. Right. So it's only it's only right that um, that you do yourself a favor. And for anybody who's listening out there, if you're still in school, um, yeah, just look, look up whatever whatever programs um, your college has, whatever you're interested in, any kind of club, anything like that, because um, not only are they valuable um, with helping you get um, maybe a class or, or, or maybe a certificate or something, but also you create a, you network and you create a relationship with different, with different people, um, that, that lasts a, a long time. So it's definitely something you should take it, take advantage of as a student. I always remember. And, I, and it's hard now with the pandemic, but you know, as yeah. much as you can, as much as you can. Yeah. Which school has been kind of tough for a lot of people right now doing virtually, you know, it's been, it's been a, a back and forth people, you know, my, my sister struggles with, um, you know, with paying all this money and, you know, we're online learning, you know, it's, it's kind of, and she's also like a health major where it's kind of tough, you know, and it's not, it's, you, you need somebody kind of teaching you and, you know, showing you and tutoring you. Um, but, uh, but now we're all kind of virtual, we're all limited to a sense now, even my job is just changed virtually. I hold workshops for my, um, for my full-time job, um, with clients uh, on life skills. And, um, it used to be face to face, but now I have to adjust and find presenters to do online and, you know, get everything coordinated and get, and get our clients to, you know, adjust onto that online setting. So it's been, it's this, this, uh, even schools change. Yeah. It's changing very, very different. It's an adjustment for everybody. And with the virtual classrooms, I remember as a child, as a kid growing up in New Jersey, we would occasionally get a day off on these things called snow days, right? 
when it snowed really bad and the cars couldn't mm-hmm. get people to school or the buses couldn't run, they would just cancel school. Well, that's done now, right? Because now you can go have a virtual day. So all everybody can stay home in the snow and still go to school. So I feel bad yeah. for kids now. There will be kids who will never experience and you know, grown up on the East Coast will never experience a snow day or a bad weather day. But yeah, when I when I was living in South Dakota, I was yeah there were snow days out there and uh, yeah well, so you, uh, you'd announce you'd announce the snow days right on on the <laughs> uh, yeah yeah absolutely yeah we'd be standing we'd be standing in a blizzard or we'd be standing um, no weather alerts and you know would be um, you know what's what counties are closing the schools you know what streets are closed and things like that yeah so. Definitely. Never got to experience a snow day myself as a kid, but definitely as a, as a reporter. Uh, tell me about the CSUN journalism program. You said you're only there for two years, but obviously you felt uh, like you got a lot. Did you get a lot out of it? How oh, was the experience oh like for you going through there? That um, was one of the best. Um, I want to say one of the best experiences that I got to. I met a lot of great people in the program. My professors are, you know, still, they still stay in touch with me, sending me emails about different opportunities. Um, um, they're very, very well knowledgeable. They come from, they come from, you know, programs, uh, like, you know, CSUN, they, we have professors from UCLA, uh, USC, Pepperdine, you know, all these different schools where all these, you know, where all different students pay, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for tuition. And we have access access to those professors who have, you know, a wealth of knowledge who've worked for CNN, who've worked for ABC, who've produced for NBC4. And not only that, but the alumni that have come from that program that come and visit is is, are, is huge. Um, they have a lot of influential and, and, and smart um, people who, who, who give brilliant advice and, and who can you who can pretty much if you stay connected with them can help you um land you know where you where you want to where you want to be it's it's a it's a pretty neat place it's a pretty great program so from csun uh, carlos your first stop is a city near and dear to my heart uh sioux falls south dakota so you're a you're a san pedro kid who went to csun and now you're off in the middle of the middle in south dakota in sioux falls and take me through that experience. Well, first of all, you graduate. How did you source and get that job? So um, through my, I think it was my final semester at CSUN, you take a, a Valley View News. Um, it's one of the requirements, I believe, to graduate um, with a broadcast degree or a um, broadcast, journalism, broadcast journalism degree from CSUN. Valley View News, pro, uh, Valley View News. and it's, it's a public channel um, that uh, comes on. Uh, and it's just a news program performed by a student. So I, that was a great, great experience for me. I was able to develop my reel, interview people, for, uh, uh, politicians from the city, um, just open myself up to, I guess, really what news was about. Um, my experience with news uh, really wasn't the best. Um, I kind, I've, I knew I always wanted to do sports. I knew I always wanted to do sports. Um, there was a gentleman uh, from our class who I spoke to, and I found, you know, I admired him. I, he was, he was about a year older than me, and you know, I just, I looked at his news report, his news reports, and I was like, he's, he's pretty ahead of, you know, most of us here at, um, um, at school. So I, you know, I had a couple conversations with him, and he told me, you know, you know, I want to do news. He was also a very big sports guy, but he was, he was like, you know, I want to do news, like, um. Um, I want to actually feel like I'm making a difference to the public. You know, I want to bring them actual information that they're going to they're, they're going to use in their daily lives rather than, you know, you know, the Dodgers one five zero or, you know, um, and that kind of resonated with me. I kinda, that kind of stuck out to me. So I kind of changed my view. I want to say like the last semester of college into from sports to try to do try to be a little bit more news orientated. Um, so then I started applying for, you know, um, news jobs uh, all over the country because uh, that's what you have to do when you when you are getting out uh, getting started in this field and you want to be on camera you you only uh, very 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 few people start you know close by or in LA or even on or even on their radio or other than interning so you have to move out so um, I had a couple interviews I had a couple interviews with a um, uh, I think Missouri was one of them. I had um, an interview with like the last market in uh, Cheyenne, uh, Cheyenne. Um, and then um, I want to say about a month, a month after um, I graduated college, um, I got a call from Sioux Falls. They wanted me to go out there and visit them. Uh, they flew me out. Um, we were both. It, it seemed to it seemed to be a good match. 
um, and, you know, I accepted the position, but um, yeah, and I was out there for, so pretty much to answer your question, long story short, um, it was uh, about a month from my graduation. Uh, July 4th, I was on the road um, of 2016 uh, to, to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. What was the experience? First of all, you're an L.A. kid in South Dakota, and that's different. I mean, I've been to South Dakota, so I kind of know what what it's like. But um, Sioux Falls is kind of the big city there in South Dakota. But also mm-hmm. now you've gone from the CSUN journalism department, which you obviously said was a great experience, and now you're kind of in a small market TV newsroom. What mm-hmm. are some of the things that you pick up? Because obviously it's different than if you go to a network side in New York or L.A. or Chicago. Huge. Yep. So, uh, you know – Everybody, most, um, well, my professors did a really, really good job of preparing me for this. Um, you're you're going to, um, in a small market, you're everything. You're a one-man band. And I know most uh, most uh, students who are in journalism uh, understand this now, that you're going to be um, shooting, voicing, um, getting your interviews, um, setting up setting up stories for the next day. Um, you're pretty much on the go. It's, it's, um, it's a daily thing daily thing where um honestly i couldn't really handle it it was too stressful for me um it wasn't something that i could see myself doing for such a long for for a long time um it just it was just it was just you have to love you have to love the news and and what um you know in in small market towns you just really have to have a passion for those little things that you kind of wouldn't even think made a difference in, in, in society, but they, they do. They, they make a difference in society, but you really have to have a, a passion for all the, for all that stuff, for the details. And, you know, um, and it just wasn't me. It just wasn't it just wasn't what I was um, what I was uh, looking for in a career. But um, but yeah, that's that's what you um, that's what kind of what it was. Uh, what I when I first when I first got there, I want to say first couple of months, I, it kind of hit me. I was just like, whoa, like. It's a big. It's it, it, not so much of the learning curve because, I, like I said, CSUN did a pretty good job pr- in preparing me. Like I was, you know, I was able to shoot properly. I um, voiced my stuff, but it's just, I just, it was just a little, a little, uh, a little too much sometimes for, um, for, um, for a certain, just certain individuals, and it was for me. What was the big moment where you realized, man, I'm not in LA anymore? Did you have one of those moments when you got to South Dakota? Um, I had I had several of those. I had definitely several of those. Um, you know, obviously when the when the snow first fell, uh, started to fall, right. um, when, yeah, when I woke up and you know driveway was covered, I have to shovel it out. Um, I had to start my car about you know the snow was pretty much the big part of it. Also the uh, um and just um this I guess um that's pretty much it. Yeah, because. The people were friendly, you know, they're, and, and the city itself, it kind of reminded me of Torrance. It kind of reminded me of Torrance. It wasn't, you know, not so big, not so small, but, um, but you know, you, you had, you know, the mall there, and then you could drive down PCH or Lomita, and then, you know, you had kind of different restaurants. So it was, it was, it was, um, there was several things there. It wasn't like I was in the middle of nowhere. So it wasn't, I'd never really had like a culture shock. I think most, most of the culture shock was driving to South Dakota, where there was just a bunch of empty, tree, you know, just farms and, and things like that. But um, the weather was definitely a big part. So you mentioned that, you know, you didn't feel it was for you. But I mean, what is what's the news cycle like in South Dakota? So I'm guessing you're doing mostly local stuff. What was the push mm-hmm. of your local stuff? Was it a lot of more political stuff? Was it more human interest stuff? Was it a mix of both? Um, I, I watch your reel. I mean, it just seems like it's a pretty, you know, you, it was a pretty catch all position you had there. You were doing a lot of different stories. Yeah, it's just pretty much whatever you could uh, you could find in a small market, uh, a small market town. Sometimes, um, you know, it was just a slow news day. We act and we did have our, our murders investigations, you know, once a month or something. But it's not like L.A., you know, someone's getting you know, shot or, or or you're doing an inve- uh, 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 a murder report or, or, or something like that daily. Um, but it was, yeah, it was schools, um, you know, new principals or or or. Um, um, yeah, just a lot of uh, city council. City council is huge for um for a small market, so covering the city council. Um, and yeah, 
crimes, just what it's it, the, the and that's where I kind of struggled with the small market. It was trying to find trying to find different news and trying to make it interesting and creative. And that's where I was just like I was a lot of the times I would just draw blanks. And that's where I found out it wasn't for me. That's where I kind of just like, man, like I just I just can't like I can't, you know, keep coming up with these different stories, ideas, because I just keep drawing these blanks. So I would um and, and that's where I kind of just kind of hit me like, yeah, news is not what I not for me, not what I want to do. Because they would say, I mean, it takes some time, right, to, to kind of get your footing because you don't have any relationships at that point when you're getting there. Um, and it takes a while. I mean, you, like you take somebody who moves to L.A., it takes about a year to move to L.A. to really figure out the rhythms of the city. And I can't imagine, you know, having to find stories and get, you know, have contacts that can feed you stories uh, after less than a year. So but you made the decision fairly quickly to come back to Los Angeles and I know, I know we were talking earlier, you did have a background in, in some public service stuff you were doing, but take me through, ultimately, you kind of touched on it. How did the actual, how did, how did it come down when you actually made the decision? Sure, sure. So I, I came back to California um, and, Los, uh, and uh, Los Angeles and having already kind of a little bit of contacts um, within, you know, freelancing for the Daily Breeze and uh, meeting a couple of people. I don't know if you know Javon Moore, who's... Um, uh, he has a FI360 sports and he's pretty and he's pretty out there. He has covers UCLA, USC and um, USC basketball, um, just different sports all over the area. Um, and um, I was able to kind of, you know, kind of reconnect with the people that I knew and and um, try to cover games. So I covered LAFC. I would kind of work on my own stuff, my own reality cover LAFC, the Sparks. USC basketball, UCLA uh, basketball, football, anything you could imagine. I was, I was, you know, at those games, I was trying to work on my real work on things that I, you know, because at the end of the day, I already knew what, you know, what TV stations were looking for, what you needed to do for uh, as a TV sports reporter. So I was just kind of trying to polish and hone in on some of those skills. Um, so I kind of did that for a year, but I gave myself a timeline. I said, if I don't get picked up by, you know, if I don't get um, picked up by a, a writing, you know, a writing network or channel or a outlet, um, which I knew I wasn't really much of a writer. I'm more of a kind of an on-camera uh, TV personality. So I kind of, that's where I was kind of aiming where if I w- went back in time, I would really, really focus more on my writing instead of, you know, my, my on-camera, my TV, my, my, um uh, presentation um but yeah i gave myself a year and it didn't happen i didn't get picked up i, I did I, I would apply to different uh, outlets and you know just uh nothing happened nothing nothing worked out for me so i just decided to um to get um myself back into graduate school um and uh, do recreation therapy i would i was working for parks and recs throughout my whole uh, college career um and i was trying to actually get in with the city that didn't work out but um, I found out a different um, a different outlet, which is recreation therapy, and uh, and I studied that, and um, that's kind of what I'm working in right now. You brought up uh, LAFC as one of the teams you covered. Um, is there a space do you think with with the landscape of Los Angeles sports? Uh, is there between the Galaxy and LAFC? You think there's enough space for there to be? for MLS to really be a, a, have a passionate fan base in LA or is it already, is it already gotten there? Do you think, you know what? Um, I think, I think it's starting to, to, to definitely get there. I think it's pretty, I, you know, you see these LAFC fans and they grew their fan base really, really quick. I don't know if it was, you know, their marketing technique or, 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 you know, the new stadium or what it was, you know, you see LAFC's games and before the pandemic, they were pretty, they were pretty busy and they have that section, uh, um, huge Galaxies fans are still there, still present. And when I go out, I see people wearing LAFC jerseys and Galaxy jerseys and, you know, they banter, they, you know, they talk. So I think, I think um, soccer is here the MLS is starting to really, really, um, um, uh, I guess, kind of, get into uh the the los angeles angelinos hearts you know the the they're starting to really really um come on board with because you know why wouldn't you they got you they got stud players you know they bring uh they have carlos vela that lafc brought i mean uh, uh galaxy brought um ibrahimovic so you know the teams are doing a good job of you know trying to get their fan base and you know i, I i'm not a soccer guy so i i'm really not i don't feel i'm educated enough to make this assessment but I mean, in comparison, where where's the level of play, Carlos, in the MLS as compared to the you know the big leagues overseas? 
Oh, I mean, you, have, uh, you, do, you do have a lot of players coming up. You did mention some, some, you know, you have some big time players coming over. I remember when I was a wee small lad, they had the still had the NASL was still kicking around, and it was almost like it was a place where the big stars would kind of almost come to retire, right? They'd sure. come play in New York or LA. They wouldn't have to put too much effort in the way they would at their their European clubs or South American clubs. Where is it now as compared to maybe 20 years ago? Well, I mean, it still has its ways to go, and I think I think it's going to take a long, long time before it could even get to, I guess, the level of, of even you know uh, Mexican soccer. The league still the league is still you know fairly new, um, not fairly new, but it's still new. Um, and um, uh, things like these don't grow overnight. Countries have been playing soccer's soccer for you know it's the sport of the it's the sport of the of the universe pretty much you know um, next to baseball, um, but um, when you watch these different teams like Barcelona or even the yeah. German teams, you know, Bayern yeah. Munich, um, even Italian teams, Juventus, um, there's, you know, a lot of the teams are, are competitive within their, their league. And so is MLS. MLS is very, very, very competitive. But um, you have those those strong, those strong teams, right, that you know, you know, you have. And I guess that that's what's good for the MLS. You don't you don't have that overpowering team, right, that's, you know, is going to win it every single year. Um, but as far as I guess the level of play throughout the whole league, it's still, you know, it still has some ways to go, but it is getting better. It is, it is getting way more exciting. You know, you have your goals there and, you know, and it's, it's, it's getting more exciting to watch. I think in this country, Carla, and I'd be interested in your opinion. I think it's catch 22, right? Because there's so much focus on the world cup and, and my belief, and I've believed this for a long time because I have friends who kind of grew up in the whole soccer culture. For the U.S. to compete in the World Cup, our players need to go and play in the best leagues in the world. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, the MLS is not one of those leagues. And you see more and more of these young American phenoms going and playing overseas. And I think it's a good thing for American soccer to do. I mean, before there was an MLS, you'd have a couple of guys be able to go overseas and maybe hit on with an English team or, you know, a South American or an Italian team. Now you got Americans kind of playing all over Europe. Um, mm-hmm. which yeah, I, Chris I, and Pelusic. Yeah, yeah which that's, I think that's, is a positive. Absolutely. As long as they're playing, that's one of the one of the things that needs to happen for them just to get on the field out there. Because if they're on the, on a team, and, it, and I've seen this with, um, you know, with the Mexican team, because I'm, you know, I'm Hispanic, Mexican, and I'm a big uh, Mexican fan as well, um, soccer team fan. But, you know, a lot of our players, you know, they go to play overseas, but they don't play um, and they're on the bench and they don't get that, that uh, I, I guess, the that continuum uh the continuous play and you know the level their level kind of drops down so i think that's great that they're going over there as long as they're playing for sure yeah and that'll help a lot and i think a lot of usa fans are excited you know they won they won yesterday usa um, they beat panama um they've looked good uh, a week a week ago and i think a lot of people are kind of excited for what for usa soccer because like you said a lot of young studs are starting to play overseas and they're um they're getting the opportunity you know, I upset a lot of my f- soccer friends because I would read cl- what Klinsman was saying, you know, when he was the head, when he was running USA Soccer. And I'm like, well, what he says makes sense, right? You can't, mm-hmm. you can't fall back on your old loyalties. You got to get the best players right now. That's what everybody in Europe does. And uh, people got upset. It's the same thing people get upset with when I talk about hockey. And, and here's the difference is, you know, basketball and baseball, the reason that the quality is so good is because every kid, no matter where he's playing in the world, ultimately basketball players, right, they all want to win the NBA title. And if you're a baseball player, you want to come play in the major in the major leagues, mm-hmm. whether you know you're from Venezuela or Korea, wherever you're from, that is the pinnacle. And I, I never I don't forget it was I think it was a hot I want to say it was Yager, but it might have been a different player said it. And a player basically said that if you don't grow up in the US or Canada, hockey players, you don't really care about the Stanley Cup. The world championship and the Olympic gold medal are far more important to you than the Stanley Cup. Whereas uh, there's an old, I forget what the name of the, it's an old ESPN documentary, and they have Joachim Noah. They show him at 12. And, you know, his dad was a big time tennis player in in France. He was a French, Yannick Noah won the French Open, I think, in the 80s at some point. Mm -hmm. And they asked 12 year old Joachim Noah, what do you want to do? Do you want to do you want to win at Roland Garros like your father? Because at that point he was playing both tennis and basketball. And you do you want to win at Roland Garros like your dad, or do you want to be like Michael Jordan? This is Michael Jordan was really big, and he without without hesitation said, "Oh, I want to be Jordan." You know, yeah. 
And yeah. so, so you, we don't have that, unfortunately. I mean, I think the soccer culture in this country is great. I've covered it at the college level, at the professional level. I got to call some USL last year, and it, it always impresses me. And then you have the travel teams and all that stuff. But I just don't think from an international standpoint that the the, the philosophy of, of USA soccer, it's like they want to have it both ways, right? They want to keep their great players in the state, and they still want to make the team better. And I don't think you can do both at the same time. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, um, I was going to say something about Christian, uh, Christian Pulisic. Yeah. Um, but, um, oh, yeah, no. So, I mean, he looks like he's going to be the next, I guess, shining star for you. Like, we don't really, I guess USA doesn't really have that one player where you could say, like, what Clint Dempsey was or, or, or Landon Donovan was. But you don't have that one one player like oh like not even top five or top ten in the world you know that you they, they can say like oh you know he was one of the best one of the best i've ever seen so i think that also kind of holds it back to where like i guess nobody in the usa wants to say like oh i want to be like you know i want to be like clint dempsey right <laughs> like, right. like what, i want to be who's the tab ramos's son is playing in germany right like he's a young guy he's yeah, 17 yeah. And i think he's playing now like, I, I think yeah. the first year he was over there he didn't play and there's a whole issue now with the pandemic obviously because they're not playing but he he, I think he he got in and started started actually score getting some scoring this year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From, from I'm, I haven't really kept up with too much German soccer, but from what I from I read, yeah, he's he's not he's not he's actually getting on the field. Yeah, so that's good. So Carlos, you know there are a lot of reasons I like you. I like you because you say what you think, and you're not afraid of what you think, and it might offend some people, but. I'll tell you, the main reason, and by the way, if you don't follow Carlos on Twitter, you should. He's got one of the best Twitter feeds out there. I love how you how you break down the gambling, Carlos. I love it. And you're out of sports now. I hope you get back in because all these young guys in sports now, they don't gamble anymore. And it's hard to explain things. And to me, sports betting not only helps you understand sports better, I think it helps you understand everything a little better. And I don't know how deep you want to go into it, how did the bet go last night? Did you end up winning? Uh, I didn't. I didn't take anything last night. Actually, okay. I, I was gonna take. Honestly, I was every. The whole world was on Chicago, so I was gonna take Minnesota money line um, and the spread. But I didn't touch it. I kind of had um, uh, a rough Saturday where you know I, I was I was up you know a certain amount of money and then I lost it and now I'm just kind of like uh you know I didn't lose the money I just lost the money that I had that I had won so I'm right. just kind of uh I'm just kind of waiting to see something that I really really like I know these past couple of months I've just kind of been going wild and crazy and I've been kind of betting like you know six seven eight bets a game that's uh, a day sometime you know um I but, love you though you because you bet soccer a lot and, and I I maybe it's interesting to me because I don't really know how to bet soccer and then you bet like boxing and AFC, uh, UFC. Oh which, yeah, man, like, like that's now. I, I understand like how the bet goes, but man, it's got to be tough to win because there's not a lot of. I mean, the the big windfall at a UFC or boxing right is when you get a huge underdog. Is there yeah, a science no. to picking the underdog that'll b- give you the big payoff? Um, there's really no, I, I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, I don't go by a science. I just kind of go by the eye test. I kind of just do some youtube research on fighters and then if i've seen the fighters before um you know i just kind of i just kind of trust my gut instinct and that's what kind of you know didn't really help me out this saturday where like every single underdog won this saturday and i went with a couple favorites and you know i bet i bet it pretty hefty on the favorites um and you know that's that's what kind of that's what kind of damaged my uh my weekend but um but yeah no the underdogs uh this this uh this saturday were were uh were on a roll and 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 uh and kill the ufc but that's one of the things about you at ufc too is you just never know it's fighting right it's just like anything anything could happen and you know you bet the under two and a half rounds or you bet the under one and a half rounds and it's just kind of most of the time it's just what i go with too under one and a half hoping for a knockout and it kind of hits are you just a sports speculation guy do you like the cards do you like the casino like what 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 are how do your habits but i'm gonna i'm in a weekly poker game i bring that's why i bring it up but what are your other habits that you're into uh gambling wise um just kind of sports betting i mean i go to vegas here like i'm going to vegas uh, in a couple of weeks but um probably little little bit of little bit of a poker not too you know not too heavily invested in that i play for fun more than anything than you know trying to than trying to win um um but yeah roulette here and there um yeah not much just kind of just yeah like i'd like to yeah i'd like to keep my uh my uh i guess i want to say negative habits but you know uh uh 
habits that can get me into into trouble uh, uh, at a at a at a uh, at a minimum. Because you know, you, you, a lot you hear a lot of people uh, use sports betting, and you know, you know, they it takes a turn for the worse. Like you know, I've I've had family members who who you know who've you know lost people uh, lost things because of sports betting. So you know, I try to uh, I try to not um, get too deep into it, but um, but I I do it more than I should. <laughs> Moderation and all things. What's your favorite poker game? You have a you have a favorite game among amongst the poker games? Like te- just text hold them. I mean, your hold them guy. Yeah. Listen, I'm telling you, try game. next time you're in Vegas, try Badoo. If you can find the table, try Badoogie. Badoogie is fast becoming my favorite poker game of all time. It's basically you need to get four car. You need to get the lowest four cards, all you know, all suited together. So you need to get one of each suit in a four. It's a four card hand. And it is it is an amazing game. It really tests it really kind of tests strategy. Yes, you get yeah. dealt you get dealt five, and you, you're you're given your best four, and you get three three chances to change cards. It is it is a blast. Um, we'll do. I'll be in Vegas very soon, so I'll uh, I'll try to find but it. But Doogie, yeah, I, I, we're we're all joking around like we're next time we go to Vegas, are we going to be able to find the table where they'll deal us Doogie? But that's all other question. Um, <laughs> so I, I perused your 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 uh, your YouTube page, and you know. And I'll tell you, you're you're a good listen. You're a good reporter. You sound credible on sports. But you know what jumped out at me the best was your cooking video. I was just about to bring that up. Yeah, your cooking video. So again, I like it because you're a gambler, and I like it because you're a cooker. Because I love, you know, like people. I don't drink alcohol, so a lot of times people need a stiff drink to calm them. Mm-hmm. When I get to that point where I need a stiff drink, I go in the kitchen and I make something. Um, okay. Tell me where does the. By the way, I'm I'm going to try your chili rihanna recipe just to let you know. This week, yeah. Uh, what? Uh, where's the love from cooking come from? Is that a family thing? Um, yeah. So my dad's a my dad's a chef. He's um, he's uh, been working in the kitchen his whole life. Um, um, and yeah, just kind of that's kind of where I just recently recently found a passion for the kitchen because when I was younger, my dad, you know, he had his catering business and you know we were always helping him out, but it wasn't something that um, you know kind of really drew drew my attention because he was always the one handling everything in the kitchen. He would just kind of need us to lift stuff, move stuff, set stuff up, things like that. He was very controlling, controlling of like of his recipes and you know what what he wanted and stuff like that. So, you know, I I I just kind of I want to say about a couple of years ago, I was just like you know. Or when I moved to South Dakota, while I was living by myself in South Dakota, um, you know, I, I, I was just I had to, you know, feed myself. Really, I had to learn. You know, I wasn't I was tired of eating fast food. Um, I was, you know, um, yeah, just just tired of, you know, having to um, having to you get off of work and wait in that line. Or that was just, you know, the same thing over and over. So just um, and it's just very, very, very um, soothing because you have that control in the kitchen. So where you can kind of just add whatever you want to, you know, and, uh, it might taste the same. It might taste different, but, um, but you're in control and I kind of, and I kind of like that. Um, I kind of like, it's just, you, you just do whatever you want. You can make whatever you want. And it's very, very distracting. I've really enjoyed, to me, cooking is a creative endeavor. You know, I have friends who are like artists and musicians and they all love to cook and they all love, you know, it's just kind of a relaxing thing to do with them. But, I'll tell you, I got into it because, you know, we were in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. There was no sports. Yeah. So that was fine. You know, in the first couple of weeks is fine, right? You're reading books. You're getting out and riding the bicycle. And, you know, I'm learning to do different things. I learned how to use, you know, OBS. And I was learning all this, like, live streaming. I learned how to use Photoshop and all this stuff. But then eventually there was, like, the plateau. And I needed to watch competition. You can only watch old games for so long, right? So I found the Food Network. And I found yeah. this thing called Beat Bobby Flay, where you basically you challenge Bobby Flay yep. every signature dish, and you be anyway. So that's kind of what got me into it. So I'm going to ask you this, uh, and, and hopefully once this whole thing pans out, Carlos, I'm going to take you to the studio in Riverside. We're going to have a full kitchen in there. We're going to do we're going to do we're going to do a Carlos Gonzalez uh, cooking lesson in there. <laughs> Let's do it. If you had to go on Beat Bobby Flay, what would be your signature dish, and do you think you could beat him? Oh, I don't. Uh, definitely not. I'm not gonna go in over my head on that. No, no. Um, I definitely don't think I can beat it. My signature dish would probably be. Oh man, I make some. Um, you know, some some taquitos dorado, uh, taquitos dorados with like tinga with like chicken uh, and like chipotle sauce, a little bit of um, uh, uh, sliced tomatoes, and then I like to put that in a um, in a tortilla, and then and um. Grill the or not grill the tortilla. Uh, what is it called? A uh, deep fry the tor- uh, the tortilla. Kind of like taquitos, right? And then add some you know parsley, you know sour cream, guacamole, you know, 
um, cheese on top. You know, I, those are pretty good. I like those. I made those, I think, a couple a couple nights ago. Pretty pretty simple and quick. Um, um, I also make a pretty nice pasta, um, <laughs> a seafood pasta, lemon uh, lemon seafood pasta, which would be which, um, I think was my first video. Um, I had a, a family friends try it. They were giving me they were giving me a little bit of a of a grief. To, uh, they were just like, oh yeah, we made it, but you know, once we made it, like it was actually pretty good. We thought we thought you were just fooling around. <laughs> I'm just like, nah, it's pretty good. Yeah. The, the one thing I got to call you out. So I mean, if you haven't looked, you got to go to Carlos's YouTube uh, channel and you got to look at his is uh, they're short. They're like five minute. You know, he doesn't spend forever. Like five really solid, right to the point, five minute cooking videos. But I, I got to call you out on one thing. So. You always joke about. I mean, I think maybe this is just part of your bit, right? You're always joking about how it's cheap and you're broke and whatnot. That's a pretty nice fridge you got there, brother. <laughs> I was like, I was like, wow, that is a that is a cook's fridge. Give me the story well, about the refrigerator. Well, I mean, I I have a little back house. I still live, you know, um, um, at home, but I have like a little back house. So I have my <laughs> own bathroom. I have my own room. I have my own parking spot. But the only thing I really go inside to, to do is is eat and, and cook and you know things like that so all that stuff is, is my parents my parents you know oh. my dad's a chef he remodeled you know remodeled the kitchen and he wanted nice. to you know have this have this fridge have this have his um, stove and have his ovens and things like that so for when he was doing his parties you know he didn't have any um didn't have any um problems or anything like that so yeah all that stuff is my, and, and he just got it he just got that fridge we actually just replaced it um a couple couple months ago so that's, that's very cool that's just that's very cool because you got you got the whole stories thing back there um and so i hope i'm not crossing any lines here give me because i like to make this is i like this is something i like to make at home what is the key to making a good guacamole carlos do you know is that something you you feel oh sure you have expertise where you can dial in on yeah absolutely um well the the right amount of lemon so actually it's funny that you bring this up when i was in cal state east bay my first oh my second job was uh at chipotle and i would be i would make the guacamole I would make the, so it's interesting enough that, yeah, um, the lemon, having the right amount of lemon in there and making sure that, you know, your avocados are nice and, uh, and smashed and, uh, and at the cilantro, at the, at the little bit of a salt as a lime, um, and yeah, you're good to go. Yeah, so you go little... lemon, you go lemon, lime, both. You don't go either or. No, I go, yeah, a little bit of both, a little bit of both. Yeah. So a little bit of lemon, a little bit of lime. You got the guac, uh, you, you got the, you got the avocado, you got the uh, salt. Cilantro. So you go red onion. Okay, so you onions, go red onion. Yep. Do you go olive oil at all to make it a little smoother or no? I don't. I I don't. No, no. I mean, I haven't tried it. I'm sure. It's, I mean, it doesn't hurt it at all. But uh, I, not not me really. Um, that's, pretty, yeah. that's pretty solid. I was pretty solid. I usually go. I'll go red onion. I'll go avocado. I go. I love the cilantro. I'm a huge cilantro guy. Salt. And then I usually go lime. Pepper. Okay. I used to go lime. Yeah, I don't. I don't use. Maybe I should use pepper, but like, I don't use. I I, I try to keep it. You know, really. I want. I want it to have like a fresh, kind of a fresh, sure. kind of you know, like like vegetable. You know, like the clean kind of vegetable flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, but somebody told me that like you know I, I kind of like it chunky. But somebody said no, you want the smooth. You want to add a little olive oil to it. And I've tried both. And with the olive oil, it's almost more like a dressing than it is an actual condiment. So. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't tried it. Um, I might, I, yeah, I might see how that tastes and, and, and make one, uh, make one tonight and then put a little olive oil. Yeah. Because well. <laughs> um, have you on the line? How about, how about give me a quick uh, salsa verde? What, what's the key to a good salsa verde? Ooh, man, the key to, I mean, it's just the the chilies really, and um, yeah. the, the chilies and making sure that, you know they're nice and, uh, oh, and I guess. To, uh, toasted, uh, not toasted on the grill. You kind of, yeah, nice to put them on the oven, you know, make sure they got the nice little color. And then what I like to do is I like to smash them, you know, with that old Hispanic, just kind of instead of, instead of, um, instead of blending them and putting all the, you know, tomatoes and, you know, the, um, the other stuff, just, I just like to smash it and the onions and stuff like that. Just smash it in your little, uh, I guess it's like stone, a stone, uh, little pot with a rock, order you know, order a pestle, right? Yeah. 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 And just smash it. And then that's, that's pretty much the best way. I think. Yeah. We've talked about, so you're, you're back in public service now. Any thought to maybe trying the journalism thing? Cause they say, you know, it's funny. They say when you get out of college, if you're really focused on a career, it's going to take you about four to five years to get going. Now it's obviously it's tough if you're trying to make a living, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why I think guys like you and me, we got to, you got to find a hustle, right? Where you're making a little bit of money, 
to feed your habit in a sense, you know, which is kind of what, what I, I, you know, when I got out of school, I was offered a, a broadcasting position somewhere in the middle of nowhere in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And I had an advisor, I had a mentor and he said, listen, you don't want to do that. Like you'll be fine if you go up there, but you don't want to do that. You know, what you want to do is you freelance as much as you can and then get some kind of a job where you're paying your bills and it, you know, and it, it'll, and it, it worked out beautifully. You know, I, I felt it was the best advice I ever got. And I think that's something also that um, you mentioned that like the people who come in to CSUN, they can tell you like the people who work in the profession can tell you a lot about the profession, but it's the, it's the, it's the really, you know, the gems are the ones who tell you about, well, here's how the profession works, but there's also how life works and here's how you balance the two. You know, Absolutely. were Absolutely. you able, were you able to ever get, were you able to kind of hook up with somebody who was able to give you that information? Um, you, um, I, and I, and I take full blame because I was just more kind of zoned in on, you know, trying to get my foot in the door, right. um, and, and, and not worry about, I guess, my happiness. Um, because I thought this is exactly what I wanted to do. I thought, you know, you know, I was just like, regardless, I just want to get my job, get my foot in the door, you know, and then if I'm not happy, I'll handle it, you know, but it just, you know, um, I think, um, you always ultimately, um, you know, you're going to sacrifice for sure. And, but you want to be happy when, when you're sacrificing as well too, you know, you want to, you want to see yourself, um, you know, with, I guess, like a, a, a good ending to, to the work that you're putting forth. And I just, um, but no, yeah, I did now for most of the people that were telling me, they were just like, yeah, just get out. You know, you're, you're going to struggle. You're going to do this, but just get out. Um, but I, no, no, I, I wish I would have got that advice, you know, stick it out a little bit more. You know, my parents did tell me, don't take the first opportunity that jumps at you, which, and I didn't, That's good um, but, um, but I did definitely just take, uh, take an opportunity, which I felt that, um, which I thought that which was going to help me in the long run, but, um, but it did. And it did, it, it, it helped me figure out that I, you know, that's not what I wanted to do, but going back to journalism, if I want to go back into journalism, um, you know, that's something I, I, you know, I don't, I, I really don't know if I ever want to do go back into journalism, I definitely would be TV, um, because I know I'm not much of a talented writer. Um, um, and I know maybe it could be radio, I maybe it could be podcasting or something like that. Um, but I, I haven't really uh, given it much thought. I'm kind of, um, you know, I kind of just, you know, this is something we haven't really talked about, but I kind of just opened up a liquor store. I kind of opened up a convenience store in San Pedro. So, um, so I kind of have a couple different things on my plate. You know, I'm, I'm, a, um, I'm, I've kind of moved to the entrepreneurial side of, of the world. So like, you know, during this pandemic, you know, um, I was working from home and, um, I just just really interested in kind of just, you know, um, working for myself and just kind of trying to well, eventually kind of, you know, um, um, you know, not have a boss and just just be my own boss. Right. So what I did and, I, and what I did was um, there was a spot, a couple a couple blocks from my house um, that was vacant. Uh, rent was cheap. Um, so I decided to rent it out and i have now been running a convenience store like a little mexican hispanic convenience with snacks store for about like three four months um and yeah so that's what i'm kind of that's what i'm doing now which pretty much has most of my most of my uh focus and time right other than my full-time job well that, yeah. that, that's amazing so you're, you're really setting yourself up for the future yeah i i agree with you I, you know you need to have your hand in more than than one thing it's just the way the life has become now uh, the days of, you know, dad going up, going to work every morning, coming back. And uh, those days are kind of gone now. And I mean, and some people say it's for the worse, but I do think there are some very positive things about what you talked about, kind of controlling your own destiny and kind of being your own boss. And I think there's a lot of positives to that. There's a lot of positives and a lot of hard work. You know, I'm starting, I'm definitely nothing. If everything was easy, I mean, if some things were easy, everyone would do it, you know, um, so it's it's definitely a learning curve. Um, so I'm just I'm just trying to um, yeah I'm trying to do, do my marketing, trying to get my business on social media, trying to you know network as much people as I can the community. Um, so yeah, ultimately yeah, um, it's little convenience Hispanic store. So I do like fresh fruit. I do you know kind of like uh, mangoñadas or kind of like mango ice cream with like mangoes on top. I do kind of fresco uh, crema, um, and then I have it's kind of like a uh, and just like chips soda it's right by the bus stop so it's like it's kind of like um they have several bus stops so it's called antojitos bus shop and go 
So um, nice. it's just kind of it's kind of like a bus shop, bus stop and go. You know, get your get your soda, get your drink, get your chips, get something quick, and you know, you wait for your bus right there. Because I have like six six, I have like four or five bus stops like right outside of my store. So, um, and then I have like I think about like twenty five or thirty units of apartments living up top living, that are living up top. So. Um, but it's still slow, you know, it's still a little bit slow. People are still trying to get used to me, try to get a handle of my, of my store. Um, but it definitely, definitely is a hard work, man. You want to start your own business. You definitely need to definitely need to be prepared and planned uh, ahead of time. I kind of just started off the spurt in the moment. I kind of just, I regret that in a sense, but uh, now I'm in it now and I can't, I can't back out. Um, so, and I see some, I see, I see a, a light at the end of the tunnel. I just got to really, really work hard at it and kind of, um, um, yeah, think outside of the box. You're definitely on the hustle, man. It's impressive. You know, it reminds me of the quote from Napoleon about take Vienna. He was asked, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? He said, I'm going to take Vienna. And uh, I, I, I credit you on that. Hey, I'm so glad we connected, man. I, I Again, I truly enjoy your Twitter feed. You, know, you make me laugh at least once a day when you're on there. So keep <laughs> up that. And obviously, good, good luck in everything. And I, I again, I'm just... It's the, the the thing that I don't tell you about broadcast, you know, it's the games and the travel and the excitement, but you connect with a lot of different types of people. And the CSUN community has been just all the people I've connected with there have been amazing. And you're, you're, you're you know, you're in that group. And I was, I'm glad you had the time to sit down and, and let us do this. No. Yeah. Thanks for uh, inviting me. I didn't really think uh, I'd have much to, to offer. Um, but, you know, any any um, I guess the biggest wealth of knowledge I can really offer are those uh, young uh I guess journalism students who um, who are trying to you know um, get into the field um, you know always you gotta th- you just make sure you you, you ha- you're well passionate about doing and you know you um, and you're always gonna um, I guess the mis- mistakes are the biggest thing that uh, that we're gonna be good, that we're gonna do as journalists but we always gotta learn from them and I think um, the more mistakes the more mistakes you make the better you're going to be in your career um, so. Definitely take chances as a journalist. Take chances, I would say. And man, trust me, you're just getting, you're still young. You're just getting started. And I have a feeling we're, we haven't seen the last of you. Uh, Carlos Gonzalez, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, best of luck. Uh, the pride of CSUN uh, from San Pedro. 